Welcome to In the Isles, the movie and TV podcast that was going to rebrand as the Metacast, but Mark Zuckerberg beat us to the punch. All that money on advertising, rebranding, wasted. This time, I actually knew what you were talking about. So, Excellent. Yeah, always a plus point. I'm James. I'm Dan. This week, we'll talk about what we've been watching on various streaming services. We've got some real news. And our main review is Halloween Kills, the sequel to Halloween, the reboot from 2018. Second reboot. So as James indicated, Halloween is upon us. Happy Halloween, all. We are gifting you with an episode on Halloween because we're that dedicated. But don't think that we are giving you bonus content like we did last year. We have... uh, yeah, we're not, we're not that dedicated, so <laughs> you're just getting the episode a day early. No extra episode. Just just to be clear, don't want anybody upset thinking there's a Monday release, that's all. Yeah, we don't, we don't want any complaints. No, absolutely. I did want to ask you, James, because it occurred to me the other day, I have never been trick-or-treating in my life, ever. And I started to question whether I've had just a really sheltered childhood or, you know, I've not lived. Am I on my own in this, or can you sympathise? I, personally, me speaking, I have been trick-or-treating. I didn't go loads. It wasn't like in the... It wasn't the fantasy movie version of trick-or-treating where you go around and the neighbourhood is bustling. But I have been. Right, okay. I. What's the cut-off point? When does it get too creepy? If you Definitely too late now. <laughs> Um, shattered you, dreams shattered. You could, you well, you could drag your very small child around, but you'd I think you might have to let's say trick or treat on his behalf, which I don't think that would, that would really work. Mm. How about this? Have a, a costume, have a Metal Gear costume where you are like Metal Gear Rex, and your son is like the pilot, liquid snake inside, like right ride in your head i like the idea i don't know if it's going to resonate with everyone who's door and knock on but yeah i'll i'll give it a go i suppose really i'm you didn't even break it to me slowly then you just now it's just too late and I, I don't think i was quite prepared for that sort of shock <laughs> whatever right okay i think the, i think the optics of it just you walking around in the town trying to participate with other children in the activity is, is is bad optics. Right, okay. I was implying that I just go on my own and knock on a door on my own. I wasn't just going to join in with other children. But okay, I, no, I, do you know what? I get it. I get it. It's fine. Will you be doing anything this Halloween other than pretending you're not in for the night, which I will be doing? No, well, we, we don't get trick-or-treaters because of, of our living situation, of our, you know, we're in a flat, right? We're in a flat, so yeah. we don't. Have a front door. You are lucky, bugger you. You are blessed. Fair enough. Any news in your world that is non-horror or Halloween related? No. Well, we'll get to the format of the show then. (laughs) James, what have you been watching this week? First off, quick one, because it's in the Netflix top 10. Lock and Key, season two, which stars... Emilia Jones from one of the top films of the year, Coda. And it's interesting that in Coda is amazing. I think we talked about how it was such a good performance. The Birth of a Star. 
here in Lock and Key Season 2, she, she's just another one of the generic teenagers in the generic teenager program. She's still good, though. I did come to the realisation watching it that I am too old for this. This is a teen drama. It's not aimed at me. I didn't want to accept it because I wanted to consume the content, but I am too old for it. There are things wrong with it, but it's reasonably entertaining with positive messages and likeable characters. It's fine. I, I, I completely see what you're saying in terms of it's um, you're too old for it. It is dark, though, isn't it? It is darker. I, had you seen season one or did you watch both? Obviously, I've, I'd watched season one a few months ago. All oh, right. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Did you think that was better? I think they're both about the same. Just one is darker. Like rel- season one is a relatively harmless fantasy magic program. Mm. Whereas season two, it's it is darker and people actually die and there's blood in it, right. and there is more more serious threat. What did you think? Did you think I haven't watched any? Of, I haven't watched okay. any of it yet, but now I'm compelled not to. I'm forgiving of Lock and Key season two overall, but I will not show the same kindness to Invasion on Apple TV+. Plus. Apple TV Plus's latest big-budget programme. You remember my disappointment with Foundation. Invasion is about an alien invasion. Yeah, more like invasion of bad writing. End of the world? Yeah, yeah. End of my Apple TV subscription. Ooh. It's actually a secret bonus episode of Marvel's What If... What if there was an alien invasion with no aliens? What? Okay. Right, enough of the high-quality humour invasion. Aliens invade, and this is the story of different characters around the world, in America, Japan, Afghanistan, the UK, like Babel. Remember Babel with Brad Pitt and Kate Blanchett? I think that's the vibe they're going for. I remember that, but this this plays into a constant theme on this episode of us mispronouncing things. You saying that has just made me understand that for... I mean, I don't bring it up too much in conversation, but for nearly 15 years, I've been saying babble. So, oh, lesson right. learned. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, right, that's, that's really thrown me. <laughs> I apologise. Continue. So it is, there is a UK-based storyline, including the road down into Castleton in the, late, in the Peak District that I recognised immediately when I saw it. It's very steep. You kind of wonder, will my car make up this? It always does. How does this coming invasion affect these people around the world? And they work through their utterly dull pedestrian issues while the world crumbles completely off screen. For example, a family of four, the husband is having an affair. The wife finds out and they have to escape with their kids while that drama is, is unfolding. I can see what's being attempted. Turn away from the big action and focus on the people. Like War of the Worlds or Contagion to some extent. It's like Tales from the Loop, the unknown, unwatched Amazon Prime program which is about crazy sci-fi experiments going on, bending time and space. But there's an episode where a man wanders around thinking about mortality for an hour before he dies, which worked really well. Here at Invasion, it doesn't work. The characters and their drama isn't good enough. There's too many children. Some parts outright don't make sense. 
There's a sprinkling of social commentary that feels gratuitous. There's no progression in each episode. I've just watched episode four, and when it ended, I was amazed at how little had happened. No sense of what is going on with the invasion, even if it is off screen. Believe the reviews, it's a failure. Your review may speak for itself, but four episodes in, that's quite an investment. Are you going to just call it quits there, or are you going to watch the rest? I don't think I'll watch the rest. I might watch the final episode in six weeks. So weird. You are so weird. There might be an an unbelievable payoff. Yeah, but there, if there is, it's not going to be the payoff that it was if you watch the rest of it, right? No, it's not. But I'm not, I'm already not invested enough to be bothered. Do you know what? If I'm not, not I know, I know, I agree. I I fully, you are right. You are right. You, you say that, but at the same time, I'm thinking, actually, there's logic in this because he's not wasting another two hours or three, however many episodes it is, because he's not enjoying it. So at least he just goes, oh, yeah, I don't know how it ended. So I, I can see both sides. I, th- I think we both got a point there and we will agree to agree somewhat. with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> OK, Um, just quick question on that as well. I've seen the promotional poster and I think is Sam Neill in this? Yes, he is. Very difficult question to oh. answer without spoilers. But just by saying that sentence, I think you can guess. Yeah, I think I can. Okay. Um, any other big stars in the mix here, or is it just him? Nope, just him. <laughs> Who, <laughs> it seems you're alluding to, is not really in it that much. So, okay. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Apple TV. Remember when they were knocking it out of the park week after yeah. week? When we had the Apple TV streak, those yep. days are long gone. Wow. They have still got Coda in the bag, though. One of the best films of the year, so always got that to fall back on. Maybe that's why they got lazy. Who knows? Anything else? Another one in the Netflix top ten, Inside Job, which is a comedy cartoon, not to be confused with a documentary about financial scandals on Netflix. I've just realised now at this moment that I'm not giving anything I've talked about a enthusiastic recommendation i've only just realized that now (laughs) but that's what this is going to be maybe you'll balance it out inside job it tries to be family guy and rick and morty especially with christian slater's slobbery dirty dad character it references dane cook which is a bit of an old reference remember when dane cook was really was really popular like he became the most popular comedian in the world for two years yeah very odd to reference dane cook and it, 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 it's, it's a bit like Family Guy in that sense, where how it just references lots of little different things. It picks easy targets for comedy, like Republicans and white men, which can be funny. Look at Sapel's show. I just rewatched the racial draft skit for no reason at all yesterday. It's brilliant. But Inside Job is it's too safe. And they tried to do jokes every second, but the jokes don't have room to breathe. So maybe they are good, but there's so many of them that you can't even take them in. I wish it was better because Lizzie Kaplan is the main character who we agreed is the most underrated actor of all time. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, yeah. Yeah. I hate to say, though, I didn't laugh once. And I'm not a miserable person because I've been re-watching I Think You Should Leave and laughing hysterically. 
that's the sketch show that you didn't like. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I was thinking, I don't know, are you backing your point up here? Because that is the humorless piece of shit. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. <laughs> it's subjective. Yeah, my, yeah. my point is, is that I, I can laugh at things, but I, I didn't laugh. I'm sorry. It's 7.8 on IMDb, this. Yeah, I'd, I'd heard really good things about it, but I think I put the first 10 minutes on because I thought it's animated. Uh, it doesn't matter whether the humor is a bit adult that's fine for a two-year-old it wasn't so I, I i turned it off um so i didn't watch anymore daniel what have you been watching you've got three i've got three didn't plan it these are the shortest reviews i think i've ever done first off a review that is so non-in-depth it's almost not worth mentioning but i, I want other opinions outlaws on bbc one this is a new BBC, I've just said it, British six-part comedy thriller series from Stephen Merchant. I am a fan of Stephen Merchant, naturally, because of The Office, but I have liked some of the solo stuff that he's done, such as Hello Ladies, which I don't really think had an impact in the UK, but fair enough, it didn't run for seasons and seasons on end, but it had two seasons and it was followed up with a film, so it did quite well in the States. And I thought, because of that, and the fact that I like him, I'll give this a go. It is about a diverse bunch of individuals who are forced to do community service together. And guess what? I can't tell you any more about it other than that. And we'll come on to why. Apart from a few woke jokes, I do agree with an opinion that I read earlier this week. And apologies, I can't remember where I read it. But basically, they said that it feels like somebody has dusted off a script from the late 90s and it feels very dated. And I am in complete agreement with that. It did not land for me. Just to add a bit more context to that, I watched this for 25 minutes and I just decided I'd completely had enough. I just didn't want to watch any more of this. I'm mentioning this because I'm very open to hearing an alternative opinion. Uh, if I didn't give this first shot and anybody wants to tell me it gets better, tell me, tell me, and I will give it another go. But for me, I just thought this was a complete mess. And 25 minutes is probably not enough to come to that decision. But this, wow, this stank. 25 minutes of a 30-minute episode. It, it was an hour long. For comedy. Our, our long comedy episode. Uh, well, I say comedy, weirdly, you get the vibe that it's comedy, but I'm sure it's actually listed as a thriller. There is nothing that is thriller about it within that first 25 minutes. So maybe there is a huge twist halfway through, but it just wasn't gelling with me at all. I just thought this was a complete failure. Um, no well, zombie dance routines. Not from what I saw, no. I left it too late to say that because you said there's nothing thriller about it. See, I, I to did which think my that was response was no zombie dance routines, but the moment passed. I'm not cutting that out. I'm keeping it in. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, even you, James, if you want to give this a go and tell me otherwise, uh, you know, I'm willing to listen. Doesn't mean I'll watch it though. Okay, I do, I do plan to watch it. I'd heard about it, didn't know it had been released yet, so I'll watch it. And, and reviews have been divisive, it seems. It's, it's, as we've said many, many times, it's a Marmite series or film, whichever it may apply Hang to. Hang on, so have the reviews been divisive or is the programme itself divisive and it's divided opinions in reviews? The reviews have been 
divisive. I don't think the program itself is. It's just uh, some people are going, oh, my God, this was so funny. And other people saying, what is this? What have I just watched? How was this funny? What the hell? Stephen Merchant, go and start scanning things on a checkout at Tesco. No one's <laughs> actually said that, but um, yeah. Yeah, that seems a bit harsh. You should, you should, you should still carry on. I should still carry working. on? You should carry on working. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, just produce something of value and that is worth watching because as far as I've seen, this is not it. Okay. What else have you been watching? Sticking with comedy, I was really glad to see the return of Staff Let's Flats Series 3 on Channel 4 this week. Just because I'm always interested. Have you watched any of this previously? Or is this just like, what is this? Staff Let's Flats. Yes. I haven't heard of it. Oh, man alive. Go and watch Series 1. Right. Me saying that is probably a very good indicator that I was a really big fan of the first series. It's basically about a completely inept estate agent who is of Greek origin. He made his way to the UK in his early teens and he therefore has some broken English in there, which is the source of a lot of comedy, which some people might find a bit controversial or problematic. But guess what? The writer and star, he is part Greek. So do you know what? If you want to have a go at it, have a go at him. He's allowed to do this. So stop with your outrage. Yeah, so he he's a complete bumbling fool and he just gets into numerous ridiculous situations when he's selling flats. And I, I really like the first series. I thought it was awesome. It's not the most intellectual thing in the world, but in terms of like slapstick comedy and the delivery and just the performances, it is, it is awesome. Series two was a bit of a letdown and it wasn't to the same standard. I am afraid to say series three, it's a bit on par with, the second it, it doesn't recapture the magic of the initial series and i think part of that is the main humor stems from him interacting with potential buyers or, or rent renters of properties and just making an absolute fool of himself and they kind of scale that back the more that the series go on and they start to make it more about his family life and some of it works some of it doesn't but all that being said i rinse through this in one evening the entire series which is a complete anomaly for me i do not do that so there must be something that is good about it and i think it is more of a it's just an easy watch it's comfort tv you don't really have to think too hard and there are, is always guaranteed a laugh out loud moment in at least every episode it's stupid it's silly but it does work i just wish that they could probably go back and look at what worked in series one and put a bit more of that in there. But I admire them for thinking, oh, we can't just say we're the same formula. We have to try something different. But anyway, yeah, a bit of a mixed review there, but I would still recommend it. Staff Let's Flats. How can we watch that? You can watch that on Channel 4. The entire series is there to binge right now, as well as the previous two. Okay, very good. What is your third of three? Your third thing? I was going to give its foreign title, but I realised that that may, you know, put me in the firing line, so I won't. It is The Trip, which is a Netflix film, and it's a Norwegian film starring Naomi Rapace. Have I said that right, at least? Come on, I don't know. We've identified. We don't know how to say things. Honestly, I'm not sure. Let's go with that, then. 
it is best to go into this not knowing anything about it at all. So if you would prefer that, skip ahead a few minutes. Minor plot spoiler this, because there are others to be had. This is a neat little twist on the home invasion thriller type of film. It's about a couple who are trying to rekindle the relationship, or are they? They head off to a remote cabin to patch things up. Or do they? Do they? It, it is brutal in parts and it is hilarious in others. And one thing that I really liked about this is it completely subverts your expectations, or at least it did for me. Everything that I thought was going to happen because of cliches in this sort of genre, it did the complete opposite with it every single time. And when I saw the running time, it's two hours long. And when I finally got a flavour and a feel for what this was, I thought this does not warrant two hours it doesn't need that and i'm happy to say that it's, it's so well paced that by the end there is nothing that i would trim down i think it all works um there's some really strong performances across the board too it's nice to see naomi rapaz and I, I can't say that i've seen her in every single role that she's done i'm sure there's plenty that i haven't but you know it's in her native tongue i believe and i don't really think i've seen her with so much personality to her in, in the things that I have seen her in. So it was nice to get a bit of range for her with this. And I suppose, in essence, if you want an entertaining, unexpected, thrilling two hours, this is a very easy recommend. However, you have to endure either subtitles or I'm sure there is a dubbed version. Who knows if the dubbed version stacks up to the subtitles? But there you go. Name of it? The Trip on Netflix. Okay. Check that out. She's good and she's normally reliable in in what she's in. Naomi Rapace. So, if anyone watched the film Whatever Happened to Monday, I think it's called, which also starred her, this is the same director. I didn't watch that. My dad bangs on about that film for fun and says that I really need to watch it. So, like that film, you might like this, although thematically completely different. James, do you want a spooky surprise? Ooh. Yes. I'm Can scared. You... <laughs> Sound it then. I'm scared. Oh. <laughs> uh, okay. Right. I know I was the last one to do this, but you know, you're never going to expect me to come at you with two quizzes in a row. So I'm giving you a Halloween themed clue already. What's that film? So yeah, it's horror themed. You might have guessed. Okay, that's the genre sorted. Yeah, exactly. So one bad review, one positive review, a series of clues or questions, and we arrived at this point in a previous episode. You are only allowed two guesses. If you exceed one guess, it then becomes part of the five clues or questions. Okay, yeah, not clear, but you get it, right? Yes. Audience don't need to... Yeah, it's fine. Negative review. Title... No. First off, let me say this type of movie doesn't really tickle me. It is possible, though, that... Sorry, there's some weird use of commas here. It is possible, though, that through wit and cleverness, win me over. This one failed miserably. I wanted to see what all the fuss was about. Not only did it fail to provide me with an answer, beep, name of film, 
made me just laugh outright at its awfulness for being ultra low budget. It was well made, but apart from the gross out effects, this movie could have been made by a monkey. Okay. A few clues in there. Can I have the positive review, please? Of course. Title, don't know. Don't think he put one. Or she. Oh, my God. First, I saw this movie about six or seven years before I couldn't sleep for a month or something like that. I was trying to find this movie for years, and I have finally found it a few months ago. Now I understand why I couldn't sleep. When I saw this movie for the first time, this movie is the best horror and the most frightening one. For those who think it's a comedy, it's not at all. I mean, this is just horror. I can't assort bleep, film name, in a comedy genre because I don't think it's a comedy. I think he's made his point, to be honest. Said it like three times. Maybe it has some funny elements, but in fact, it's very scary. Totally different from the other two parts. Oh, I feel like I'm looking through there. This movie should be respected by all horror fans. Intense moments, great camera effects, and lots of blood. That are the main elements that makes good horror movie. And this one, trust me, I give this movie 10 out of 10 and is the best horror in history. Okay. Inadvertent clue there. I'm actually really annoyed with myself, but I still don't think that you've got an inkling, so it's fine. No, I don't. I don't really. Can I have a clue, please, Bob? You can have a free one. You can have a free one, not even part of your five or your guesses. I am not confident that you have seen this film, but you are well aware of its existence, I'm sure. Okay. Okay. Can I have an actual clue? As in part of the, part of the five. Yes. This has had a remake within the last 10 years. A lot of things have had a remake in the last 10 years, to be fair. Yeah, I didn't say these would be kind. Okay. Um, <laughs> does it involve like, puppets as the main, like the main characters, the main monsters? Is, is it puppets? No. Okay. So that's two. <sighs> it's hard. Not giving you a lot to work with. Can you give me the decade of the original? I don't believe we have any rules not permitting that it was the 1980s i'm really struggling here i've i've got no idea is it about a, a lone slasher killer no i i'm gonna give you what i think is a kind clue but i don't think it is a character that is synonymous with this franchise it is a franchise there's another clue although you kind of got an inkling to that anyway that spawned a TV series spin-off in recent years. And you know what? I, I feel so bad right now. I'm going to give you the other... In fact, no, there's one remaining clue. I'm going to give you a free. It's expanded into other formats, such as comic books and a musical, as well as a TV series spin-off. Oh. I've got no idea. I've, got, I've really got no idea. <sighs> but I'm, I'm, out, I'm out of clues and hints now, aren't I? I mean, yeah, but I, and I'm being... Far too kind here. There's a Marvel link. The director of this has a link to the Marvel universe. That is the last thing you get in. Final Olive Branch. And it was one of his first films. His? I've told you it's him. What do you want? Only 90% of directors are, are male, James. I've narrowed it down <laughs> for you so much. Are you searching for stuff in Google? You can't do this. This is what clues are for. I've, not, I've got absolutely no idea. Okay. I don't St think this is as generous as you think it is. I, I'm not saying this is easy. 
Just just going to put that out there. I'm not. Okay, just tell me what it is then. It is the Evil Dead. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what it is. Would you? What, what, I don't get your reaction. What's, what's okay? Right. Have I you mean, never heard of it? No, I have. It's just that your review selection had like no hints to that at all, except yes. that it's it's a low budget horror. We said we've got to make this harder. Right, so that's, that's what I've tried doing. I think the clues. No, they weren't great. They weren't great. Hang on, is it Sam Raimi that has a link to Marvel Cinematic Universe? Yeah, this is Sam Raimi that directed the Sony Spider-Man films in the early two thousands that are not part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a Marvel film, though, right? Is it not? Or was this actually before they exist? Oh my yes, god, yes, it is. It was. Okay, right. I can't. I can't. I can't enforce punishment. I've. I've fluffed up. I've. I've not done the proper research. So, I mean, I, I'm still going to take it that you failed. That, yeah, that yeah. Is, I, that... I have. I have. I have. But just compare this to my Metropolis reviews. Oh come on! Right, so they did give you quite a lot, and you did get it. Do you know what? You can go and. It's the real thing. It is now. Real, real news, news. We reviewed Dune last week, as did many others. The positive response and the box office numbers have meant that legendary pictures have confirmed Dune 2, with no other additional details, it seems. The release date is October the 20th, 2023. I have a feeling it won't reach that date because, as you indicated on the last episode, there's a lot of pulling strings there and ensuring people's schedules are released and they're able to do this. But maybe there was something in the contract for the previous film that meant that they have to honour that. Who knows? But I think that's ambitious. But I am very much looking forward to it in light of the previous film because we both enjoyed it. We did, we did. And you made the point very well, I think you did, that it doesn't come to a decisive end. So to not have Dune 2 would spoil Dune 1 quite a lot because it is incomplete. Yes, it would be an absolute outrage if that happened. So I'm glad to see that they've greenlit it already and that we haven't had to wait six months to know that we wasted two hours of our life. Yeah. Awkward one. Obviously, you know... This isn't a comedy podcast. We are not comedy professionals or film enthusiast professionals or critics. But it would seem slightly odd to not mention some sad news that happened this week. And I'm sure most people will be aware. But Alec Baldwin was shooting his latest film, Rust. And unfortunately, the cinematographer was shot and killed on set by a... Error, shall we say, from the ammunitions experts who were working on on that film, who seemingly, as far as news reports are concerned at this point in time, were firing live rounds prior to shooting. And, I mean, we had this many moons ago when me and you were just wee nippers with Brandon Lee in The Crow. And obviously, I don't think this is an isolated incident. It has happened with maybe slightly lesser high-profile people involved throughout the years, but just still a problem. And sad to see that we've not reached a point where, I think I was listening to another news report or maybe it was a podcast who said, you can do that much with CGI these days. Why are we still resorting to having to use 
weapons that could, you know, potentially something could go wrong. It's a valid point. It is a valid point. Obviously, people can say, oh, well, it adds to the performance and things like that. Maybe so, but when there's such risk involved, does pose the question, doesn't it? Is it really necessary? Because this this is just quite a sad turn of events, isn't it? It is extremely sad, and I don't understand how live rounds just turn up somewhere. That I don't. I just don't understand that. Anyway, um, just it, it, like I said, it would have been weird to not mention that because it has been such a high-profile news story as of late. But anything that's a bit more upbeat and positive for us to end on in terms of real news? Not quite positive, more mixed. The reviews for Eternals, not the Eternals, Eternals. The embargo is lifted. It's the lowest-rated MCU film, which is, to clarify, that is Iron Man in 2008 onwards, okay? Not Sam Raimi films. So... You 60, bitter, bitter bastard. 62, 62%. And it's it's it was creeping. It's been creeping lower and lower. Well, from about 65. So not lower and lower. Well, not lower and lower and lower three percentage points. It's mixed. If this gets to 59%, it will be lower than Venom 2, which is 60%. Now, what a huge moment that will be if this is lower than Venom 2 on Rotten Tomatoes. We might look back at this time as the time when Sony and their Spider-Verse was coming to prominence and the MCU was beginning to go into decline. I think there's something to be said for the reviews that have come out, and I'm sure there's substance to it. But I'm going to hedge my bets on, categorically, The Eternals has more to say than Venom 2. It might not succeed, but I am not having it that it doesn't attempt more. I just think maybe it wasn't quite successful in the way that it was put forward. I have interest, like doing this to you, don't I? Taking out the non-canon subverse with with, with Venom and, and whatnot, what is the lowest to this in the official MCU? Because I'm surprised because it's not been a complete knock it out of the park every single film. There's been some misses, haven't there? What do you mean it's the lowest to this? What do you mean? In terms in that, of what the, other, the previous lowest? Yes, in ignoring uh, Venom in the official MCU universe. I've said the same thing there. MC universe universe. What's next in terms of lowest ratings? Previously, the lowest rated film in MCU was Thor The Dark World in 2013, 66%. Is that Thor 2? Yes, that is Thor 2. Incredible Hulk has 67, and then the others are over 70, which makes them certified fresh. I remember when we watched Thor the Dark, the Dark World, I distinctly remember turning to you and saying, I don't know what's happening, and you said, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Maybe that might indicate why I don't think that is a bad film. I really like Thor 2. I'm yet to re-watch it, but at the time I thought, I had a lot of fun with that. I didn't mind it. 75% audience score. I, I liked it. Natalie Portman was in it. Chris Hemsworth and the Loki guy. So they were all good in it. But it's no Eternals. Mm. Save nope. yourself £12. 
don't bother by the sounds of it. Me, me and James will do the groundwork for you. We'll tell you if it's worth it or not. Can this week's main review be a positive addition to a long-running franchise? Hello, I'd like to order an opinion, please. This film is new, fresh point of view. Call me sit back, this is a fact. We in the aisles, here are some aisles. Thoughts in sync, tell you what to think. I'll listen to you, but please don't rap again. This week's main review is Halloween Kills. Hey, what are you guys doing out here? It's Halloween, we've been trick-or-treating. Are you alone? There's a creepy man in a white mask. Where? And he keeps like trying to play hide and seek with us. Where did you see him? Look! Run! Go home now! set the fire. No one told you. <gasps> told me what? Michael Myers is alive. The nightmare isn't over as unstoppable killer Michael Myers escapes from Laurie Strode's trap to continue his ritual bloodbath. Injured and taken to the hospital, Laurie fights through the pain as she inspires residents of Haddonfield, Illinois to rise against Myers. Taking matters into their own hands, the Strode women and other survivors form a vigilante mob to hunt down Michael and end his reign of terror once and for all. Well, after that, I don't really know what there is to spoil, but James, please tell me, what did you think of Halloween Kills? First off, I should say, I haven't seen the original Halloween in 1978. I haven't seen any of the sequels. I haven't seen the Rob Zombie remakes, and I haven't even seen... Halloween 2018. So, yeah, I'm not much of a cinephile. I have been accused, but it follows on immediately from the events of the previous film. So that gives it a nice kick. You're straight in, let's go, excitement, drama. And I like the flashbacks to 1978, and I couldn't tell what was from the original film and what was new. Maybe none of it was actually from the original film, but all that looked really good. And then Michael Myers starts killing people, and it's gory, and I was fully prepared to enjoy this film it's simple it's halloween what could go wrong could be like venom it's straightforward and sending enough can't complain however it performs a kind of miracle by managing to drag on even though it's under two hours so there's some talking killing with no tension talking killing with no tension it doesn't have a general creepiness or dread hanging over everything. Michael Myers is over there killing and Jamie Lee Curtis is in the hospital over here and she's fine. It was in a small town, but it felt like there was this distance between them. Very strange. Jamie Lee Curtis in the hospital. Truly a bold choice to put the main character in a hospital bed for the whole film. But what a payday for Jamie Lee Curtis. Also executive producer on this. Mob justice, mob justice. The angry mob is very prominent in this film. Evil dies tonight, evil dies tonight. I felt there was some political message there and a line of dialogue confirmed it. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis 
is talking about the, the spread of evil. And she says, it's the fear that divides us. And that is code for the rise of, of populism. And I think the angry mob let down by their authority figures taking matters into their own hands, it's an attempt, an attempt to say something, but it doesn't quite work or it can't resonate now because this film was delayed and the elections already happened in America. So with no atmosphere and the main character lying down, it falls to the killing and the violence to deliver entertainment. And there are some good kills, some gore, but it doesn't do what, say, Fear Street did or any other slasher film did where people die in wacky and creative ways and it's entertaining just for that sake and everyone can just gasp or laugh at the crazy kills. It's stabbing and choking and it gets a bit, a bit boring, a bit boring most of the time, some of the time, half the time, I'm not sure. Daniel, what did you think of Halloween Kills? So I suppose I'm here to offer a counterbalance because I have seen every damn film in this franchise, even if it's the straight to video nonsense. I call myself out there. I haven't seen Halloween three, which is non Michael Myers related. And I haven't watched it for that reason. Despite that, I would not say I'm an avid fan. It's much more casual than that. I actually really liked the reboot or reimagining from Rob Zombie in 2007. I think it was. I must specify with that, I liked that original film. The sequel was awful. It killed all the goodwill that I had for that first film. So I am familiar with this world. Normally for a film of this nature, I'd be tempted to say, you know, I, I know what I'm getting into. I'm not expecting too much other than a pretty standard slasher film. But, well, at this point, it's a very simple story that has been told a ridiculous amount of times. And it's also a property which has, has bled into the wider cultural consciousness. Everyone knows Michael Myers and Halloween. So as far as I'm concerned, and maybe this is a bit harsh, unless you're doing something new that's going to reinvigorate this property, don't bother and leave it alone. So I'm going to cut to the chase. It doesn't do anything new. It's a pretty uninspired continuation of the same old story. It plays out exactly as you would expect for any run-of-the-mill slash film. I feel like we duplicated notes on this, but <laughs> there are half-decent kills, if that's what you're interested in, but nothing that's really going to wow you. I don't know if it's the overexposure of this character, but I made the complete same observation as you. There is no fear or dread when Michael Myers is on screen. And for me, I mean, in fact, I'm wrong in saying it's the overexposure. You are not as familiar with this character as I, but you still felt the same thing. There's no impact when he's there. I don't feel like, ooh, there's none of that. And that is a huge miss for something which is a horror slasher film you need to feel terrified in that moment, or at least an element of it, and there's none of that. It's almost as if, and again, I, I'm kind of contradicting myself here, but for me personally, it's lost the magic because it's been done to death and we are too familiarised with the character. You've said again, it picks up where the last film left off, but that's assuming that anybody could to remember what happened in the previous film. I had to watch six minutes of a recap video of the 2018 film, and it was three whole minutes 
before I realized, ah, yes, I have seen it before. That's how much of an impression that film left on me, which I think speaks for itself. Again, same observation as you, Jamie Lee Curtis, she's absent for pretty much the first hour of the film and her existence is pretty much redundant. If I stop being an overly judgmental arsehole for a second, it does do something slightly interesting in the, you know, the whole mob thing, the mob mentality, pitting an entire town against Michael Myers. I'm sure it's been done before, but that's a new take. And I thought, oh, this is nice. I like this. They could do something with this, but it's handled really poorly and they don't make the most of what it could have been, as I say, a very different take you know, a town thrown into chaos. Oh, look at all this mass hysteria, which becomes evident in the later hospital scenes. But again, it's not used to its full effect. (laughs) Minor point, slightly irrelevant. Why is there a dead body mid-autopsy on full display to everyone in a hospital? Don't understand that. Really annoyed me. You could copy and paste the events of this film and just do away with Michael Myers and Halloween and just have it as its own thing and it just be a standard, oh, here's another slash film. And I don't think it would make much difference. I've got very little else to say about a film that doesn't really have anything to say. That's my thoughts. Okay. You mentioned there about it not offering anything new. Do you think the 2018 uh, soft reboot sequel offered anything new? No, it didn't because it, as well, I say that it's not a fully formed opinion because I can't recall it. But from memory, the Rob Zombie remake was a bit more about, oh, what's the psychology of Michael Myers and how did he come to be? It was a lot more of an origin story, which we actually hadn't had about Michael Myers within the Halloween verse previously. And that's why it was more refreshing. This just does nothing unique or new as far as I'm concerned, and from what my memory is of it. And that's why I feel like not just Jamie Lee Curtis's appearance in this film, the whole thing is redundant. There's a lot of references to characters that I feel like are maybe not as important as they're made out to be. They bring back a a kid that met Michael Myers and... This is a film that was released in 1978 and you're bringing back these people from 40 years ago. Yeah, I don't I mean, care. I don't care about them. No, I agree. And I and I again went down a weird little hole of going, oh, this Lindsay character who apparently was a child who was babysat by Laurie Strode. I might have got that wrong, but in the original version, she appears in the original version. She's somebody who's quite prominent on one of these real housewives shows. And she was in the original, and they've brought her back for this. Like who who knows that level of detail? No one's going to go, hang on a minute, that, that seven-year-old from the original film, I'm, I'm sure that's her. There's just, they, they've tried being generous with, you know, paying homage to the previous film, but in ways that no one really gives a shit about, to be honest. And it, it doesn't add anything. Um, yeah. And would I think that the way that the town talks about Michael Myers makes it seem like Michael Myers has been on a 40-year non-stop killing spree, which is not the case. But in-universe, in Michael Myers was in the first Halloween and then doesn't 
Halloween 2018, ignore all of the sequels. Again, my, my, my memory is so hazy of it, I can't recall, but you have got like, I mean, there, there was even a I know film there's like the five other. others. But... Yeah, the film in the early two, 2000s when Dimension Films, who released Scream and I Know What You Did Last Summer, they did a reboot called Halloween H2O, which I think that was quite a fun little film and it did recognise things that have happened in the past. So I think he, he, the consistency of the timeline is fragmented because you've got standard Halloween 1 and 2 released in theatres, Halloween 3, straight to video, nothing to do with it, Halloween 4 and 5, they were straight to video, non-canon stuff, and then other things that disregard what has happened before. So it's, it's inconsistent, to say the least. But as far as I'm made aware, this is seen to be, or this run of Halloween films is a direct sequel to the initial Halloween film. But knowing that there's another six films in the mix that kind of contradicts all this, it's just messy. And yeah, yeah. And the, way, the way the town behave, it seems to overstate what Michael Myers's actions would have actually been. Yeah, yeah. So Michael Myers then, is he a, a super being or not? Is he some kind of superhuman who can withstand all pain and injury? Again, muddy, but it's knowing what's transpired in the other films. Yes, he is beyond killer. He is, you can't kill this man. You can't, you just can't. So it doesn't attribute that to anything that's supernatural or anything like that. It's just a given that this man cannot be killed for unknown reason. Okay, okay. You could just cut his head off and cut his arms and legs off. Hey, just shove it back on. Go for a walk. Sort of guy he is. One thing I wanted to point out, because I was absolutely mind blown by this. I've seen the 2018 film. I had no idea that the director, David Gordon Green, who I have seen a few of his other films, he co-wrote this with Danny McBride. Now, I saw the previous film without knowing this. Danny McBride is the star of, if anyone has not seen it, please do. Eastbound and Down is fantastic comedy. is awesome. Uh, Vice Principals as well, and he's in Pineapple Express. You'll know his face when you see him. These two have collaborated on comedies. I think they actually both works on Pineapple Express. It's a weird fit. It's a weird fit to have two people who conventionally fit into the comedy world pick up a horror property and run with it. I, I, I don't know. It seemed like a really odd fit for me, and I, it shocked me. I did not know that until I did a bit of digging on this. And, yeah, uh, that, that almost made me go, do I have a bit more respect now for the fact that it's not the usual thing, but they've done something with it. I don't know, but um, I just I just wanted to make mention of that anyway, in case anybody was interested. Yeah, worth mentioning, Danny McBride, I think. I was surprised as well. I mean, I said I wouldn't give any more to this film than, than, than it was worthy of, and I think we already have, both of us. So do you have anything to add before we go to spoilers? I don't have anything to add. I do not. Daniel, would you recommend Halloween Kills? As you're a novice to the series, I was hedging all my bets on if James recommends this as an outsider, I will recommend it as well, based on how you approach this film. Because you've not, I'm arriving at no. It's just not worth your time. If you've any link to this series or love for it, it adds nothing new. It is not worth your time. No. You? No. 
No, not even to kill time. <laughs> oh, James. Bruce Willis. Real name is Tyler Durden. Sank at the end. Oh, thanks a lot. Spoilers. Michael Myers kills some people and the mob. The mob who all gather inside the hospital for some reason. They go out. They kill Michael Myers, or they think they do. And Jamie Lee Curtis tries to stop them, is unsuccessful. Jamie Lee Curtis concludes that evil is is like a a poison. It's a virus that spreads and that can never be be killed. And Michael Myers is symbolic of that. And I think she says that she's going to be the one to kill him. Michael Myers turns out he is not dead. And he kills the remaining three guys that stay behind to kill him. And the film ends. He kills the daughter as well. Which probably... Yes, so that's significant. Yeah, kills her daughter. It's not in no, in it? his house. Yes, in in his childhood home. Do you, do you know what the main problem for me is? And that this will probably be the shortest spoiler section we've ever done. I am sure that I knew of the follow up to this film's existence before I watched this film. So already I know he's not going to die. So you remove all the dramatic tension, as if there was any to speak of already so it landed like a what how do things land badly james i don't know yeah let's go with that it just didn't work and it's the same recycled ending albeit with a bit of a different scenario around it as we had in the previous film it's oh he's dead no he's not next film exactly just boring where it's, a, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of time. It is a waste of time. And because people are lapping this up. And it's it's only building towards another Laurie versus Michael Myers confrontation. It, it's it's the middle, it's the middle part of a trilogy, which shouldn't even be a trilogy, but it's the middle part of a trilogy. Therefore, nothing happens. Yeah. Because it's only in the end where something can actually happen. And you know what annoys me more about it is that. Again, I've not got the stats to support me, but I'm sure I've heard in the last few weeks this has broken a record for a certain opening weekend, this film. Maybe James can clarify this for me. All this does is accelerate the need to plow money into franchises and sequels and, and leaves no space or money available for films that actually have something to say like indie films, because all the audiences are saying is I will continue to consume and consume this stuff. And we could actually be getting something that has merit and weight, but no one's going to go to the cinema and watch that because guess what? It isn't going to appear in cinemas because it's not going to have the money behind it. They're just going to continue to go down this route of just shitting out franchise and sequel stuff. And it, I just think it's a shame, and it's it's been a trajectory that we've been on for a very long time. But this is just more evidence to it, isn't it? Yep the the record that you may be referring to it appears in the Los Angeles Times. Halloween kills slayed expectations at the North American box office, scaring up to fifty million dollars, according to estimates, and this smashed the opening weekend box office record for a horror film released during the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. 
And and to put that in perspective as well, and I do know this to be true because I was going to quiz you on it earlier and decided against it. Halloween, the 2018 film, of which this is a sequel to, is one of the 10 most profitable horror films, box office-wise, of all time. Despite the fact that no one holds it in high regard or has memory of it or know what happens or even thinks it's very good, it is in there, one of the top 10 grossing horror films of all time. So I just think this poses more problems, to be honest. I, I just it, it makes me worry for the industry. But maybe I'm being far too dramatic, but I'm just overcompensating for the fact that this film had no drama or tension whatsoever. I don't think you are being overdramatic. I've seen a very, very similar comment made by a fellow cinephile on Instagram. And the comparison was made with the last duel directed by Ridley Scott that we've we've chosen not to do as a main review. <laughs> we are hypocrites. And it, it tanked, this is still the LA Times, it tanked at the American box office, earning a measly $4.8 million despite its fresh rating. So there you go. Ridley Scott has tried to make an actual good film. No one cares, despite yeah. the fact that it is supposed to be good. Well... It's not looking good, but the people will surely have their uh, fix soon and realise that it ain't where it's at, and maybe we need something a bit different, right? That's what's going to happen, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, give it six years, right? Any more to say on this film? No, thank the Lord for that, James. What are we reviewing next week? Last night in Soho, directed by Edgar Wright and starring. Anna Taylor-Joy. Yes. And a few other people. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for listening. If you wish to leave us any feedback, you can do so at in the Owls podcast at gmail.com. Let us know if I should watch Outlaws or not, both of us. You can also follow us on Instagram at in the Owls podcast and leave us a five-star review and rating on iTunes because that always helps. James, on All Hallows' Eve, what Advice do you wish to dispense for those that are in need or scared? Keep your lights off, pretend you're not in, and hopefully no one will knock at your door. And lock your doors, because safety is key. Thank you very much. See you next week. Bye.